Hey folks and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing... Silk Stockings, directed by Ruben Mamoulian. Vanilla Sky, by Cameron Crowe. We have 21 Grams, by Alejandro Inaritu. Newly released Sharper, by Benjamin Karen. And also newly released Cocaine Bear, directed by Elizabeth Banks. It's going to be a great show, folks, so stay tuned and enjoy. Vincent Daly, how we doing, buddy? Tommy boy, how's it going? It was, uh, it's, it's going okay for me. I had a busy weekend. How was your, how was your cocaine week, bud? <laughs> Were you zooted? Were you yacked? <laughs> uh, cocaine week was all right. <laughs> Inspired by true events. Right, right. We'll have plenty to say about uh, Elizabeth Banks' uh, next movie, but uh, but yeah, uh, it, it was a decent week. Uh, we put the John Hughes project on 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 the back burner. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gave uh, Inaritu some love. Uh, yeah, I, I think I enjoyed all the movies this week for very different reasons. Okay. <laughs> Reflecting back on this when I was when I was like shaping up my notes, uh, this was uh, this was an interesting week, a little all over the place. But yeah, when yeah. I was yeah, I was surprised with kind of how scattered it is. But we're we're finishing up Alejandro. I'm uh, not finishing up. No, this is only the second one, his second film. How many more do we have to go with? I think two more. And then oh, okay. we'll have everything he's done rated. Okay, which gotcha. Is, of course, you know, super awesome. Like yes. I, I love the fact that we can get everything from a director on our site. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that it's a good thing. Yeah. And Vanilla Sky surprised me. And then Sharper just wasn't on my radar at all. It wasn't like on at, mine either. Yeah. No one's talking about it. Right, right. Uh, we'll find out if That Apple should. TV. <laughs> I know. We'll find out if we should be talking about it or not. Yeah. Uh, Ted Lasso's everywhere still. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I, I, even IMBD. It's just like front, boom. Everything's on the front. I hear Ted great Lasso, things. Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso. Uh, that in Severance. So, you know, I hear amazing things. So, so, all right. Well, I'm excited to hear about Sharper than and hear anything about it. <laughs> but let's start. This is our last week with our February Fred. Yes. Um, until next year. Fred's done. <laughs> Fred's done. This is a late film for him. This is 1957. This is Silk Stockings. And... Hearing about this movie, I was kind of interested in the premise of it. Right. It seemed a little bit different. Still comedy romance. Yes, yes. But different. And yeah. uh, why don't you get us into it a little Almost bit? Almost like a Mel Brooks premise, honestly. When I was reading it, I was like, this is a Fred Astaire yeah. musical? Like, yeah. this could be a weird 1985. <laughs> right. Comedy, yeah. yeah. Peak of the Cold War, yeah, absolutely. Or Michael Mann film or something <laughs> like that. 
That would be awesome. I would Russian like composers, and, and we have to go find him. I don't oh, know. That would be amazing. You, so Silk Stockings, why don't you get into it a bit? Yeah, so our fourth and last in Fred Astaire month, uh, Fred Astaire February, and coming the same year as Funny Face, 1957, um, uh, this is... Some of the oldest I've seen Fred, at least in a leading role, he will then kind of peter out as, uh, not a cameo, but uh, a guest appearance on some uh, later on in his career. But this next to Funny Face, this is probably some of the oldest that we see Fred on screen. Uh, and much like that film, seeing Fred in a lead romantic role this old... Uh, it's a bit out of place, honestly. Oh, this Look. is like Roger Moore getting too old as, as Bond. <laughs> yeah. Stayed for too, too many, maybe. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> Fred's staying for too many uh, musical yeah. comedies here. Uh, luckily, the age difference isn't as drastic as it was with Audrey Hepburn. So it wasn't like kind of creepy weird, but, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's still... It's seeing them, you see that the age is getting to them. You see, as well, you see it in the dance numbers, which I don't like to see. You know what I mean? Slowing it's up a little bit. Slowing up a bit. Uh, you can definitely... I don't know if uh, I'm in a position to say he's holding back or anything like that, but you can see that the dance numbers aren't as adventurous, probably because his body is literally breaking down. You yeah. Because so. it's 30 years of dancing at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And hard. You know, I mean, yeah. serious choreography, throwing his body around. Silk Stockings... Once again, a musical comedy, like you said, Tom, uh, this time heavily involving Soviet Russia as kind of semi-comedic bumbling fools trying to retrieve a famous composer currently in Paris. Um, this brings a straight-laced state official played by Sid Charisse. Mm, man, I, I don't I th- know. I think you have to go with it. Sid Charisse. I think I, I looked it up and I spelled it phonetically in my notes and I'm doubting that. Do you think it's... I think it's... Do you think it's... <laughs> I was going to say Carissi, <laughs> but no. Sid, good old Sid. Good old Sid. Uh, go ahead and name what. Go ahead and name the character she's playing. Yochenko, Yovskensko, Ninoch, Ninoch, no, Ninotka, Yoschenko. Yeah, Yochenko. There we go. Oh yeah. Anyway. Anyway, it's Yochenko. Is that how you spell Yochenko? Maybe a silent S. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, she's brought in as a straight-laced state official uh, to scrutinize capitalist ways of the city and retrieve her talent all while Astaire plays his usual showbiz role and tries to whisk her off her feet in order to save his top composer from being sent back to the motherland. Like I said, it's it's a little Mel Brooksy uh, in how it pokes fun at both sides, how it pokes fun at capitalist communists you know everyone kind of is in the firing lane a little bit and i thought that was enjoyable uh it's not super funny but (laughs) i i kind of applaud this especially when i was coming into this film i saw 57 i saw anything to do with uh soviet russia i think Soviet. yeah you would think maybe this would be 10 years down the road yeah Uh, and and more so i thought because in the 50s was this going to be some sort of like semi-propaganda red scare kind of thing you know rah rah america or something like that i guess this is peak is this peak red scare i mean 57 i don't don't know that's a good question yeah but either way not the case here and i think based on a book by the way oh really yeah based on a book 
there you go. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Sid and Fred are working together for the second time. Uh, previously, her and Fred danced together on 1953's The Bandwagon, one of the best in Astaire's entire filmography. Uh, and on the site, but not the podcast, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Here, however, they play total opposites. Uh, the romance is very slow to start because of how different these two characters are, and... Looking to last week's film, you can kind of understand how important that chemistry is. I think some of why I was just kind of meh on this is that it's a slow start. The comedy's there, but um, Fred's relationship is really lacking. Where, again, last week with Barclays Broadway, not the problem at all. I mean, the furthest right. from, you know, chemistry on screen, right, screen with right. Ginger Rogers was so tuned in, so dialed in. Eventually, uh, Astaire does warm her cold, communist heart, uh, and uh, the charms of Western society and Western sensibilities. Uh, but for a large portion of the film, we're just kind of waiting around for the inevitable. This is where I kind of felt, as unique as the setup was, it was a little bit more formulaic. I feel like it was kind of, all right, it's another romance. Let's just wait to see where it is. So it wasn't really throwing anything kind of new as far as the actual structure of the film, the skeleton of the story. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, most of the comedy is poking fun at both sides, you know, capitalist and communist norms. Again, it, it surprised me that it didn't fall into some sort of, you know, rah-rah America, you know, Western society type of thing. I, I was really expecting, you know, at least an ounce of propaganda, but it fe the comedy feels fresh. It feels like huh. it, it, it's, it's clashing these two together to see how similar they are and then just how, you know, how different they are is just as far as what actually doesn't matter, uh, which is, you know, how they're, how they're raised or what they're used to, basically. But no slapstick stuff. Like, it was more just comments made or yeah. something that you might now maybe yeah. give a smirk to. Yeah. Uh, like Where you're rolling a, your eyes a lot. Uh, uh, like a, a doorman or like a, someone that handles her coat. She, uh, she goes, oh, the working class. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, right. yeah, it's, <laughs> you know I mean, I'm, like I said, it wasn't like super funny, right. but I thought it was cute. And I'm glad that it didn't fall into just one side or the other or something like that. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah and, and just luckily not the case here uh, falling into that propaganda, which, uh, <laughs> you know, again, I don't I don't know if I even have an example from the 50s, no less 57. That I would say, oh yeah, this is you know, don't watch it. Right. So maybe we'll come across it. Maybe I'm wrong in that assumption as well. Okay. So for the last time this week, why don't or this week this month, uh, let's talk about the dance numbers or the notable dance numbers. Sadly, there are not too many here, especially from Fred. About an hour and twenty minutes in, we finally get to a point with the romance that they share a full dance number, and the electricity is there, but. My critique there falls into the same reason. Fred's not really – the romance is halted for mm. the first solid hour, and because the romance is halted, the dancing is also halted. You know what I mean? There's no growing emotion that will cause these two to dance together, no less a notable number from Fred Astaire. So not only do you have to wait a while, but it also doesn't even feel like it's being worked up to all that exactly, much. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Fred kind of does a – and again, I'm not trying to be you know too critical of my boy, but <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of a washed-out number towards the end that is reminiscent of Top Hat. Uh, where he's um, dancing modernly to a very classic tux affair. Apart from Fred, though, there is some great comedic dance numbers from the supporting cast. For instance, there's a number that uh, is, I believe it's called I Got the Red Blues, <laughs> which, again, feels right out of, like, history yeah, of the world. I'm, you know, I'm okay with, with it, though. Yeah. I'm cool, yeah. And it was actually funny. Like, those are the funny moments, and... 
I, I actually really enjoyed it. I mean, it was like right out of a Mel, Mel Brooks movie. Even just that that title, I got the Red Blues. It's just, I, I was surprised to see it. It all comes a little bit too late, but not necessarily bad. Yeah. And um, I think for my purposes in watching these films, again, I'm looking to dial in what are the best Fred Astaire dance numbers. And unfortunately, this one didn't have really any yeah. at all. So. Or, and when the dancing wasn't, there wasn't much to keep you also story-wise or anything like that. Exactly. We haven't talked, when it comes to Fred's films, we haven't talked much about time, but it is a two-hour mm. musical kind of comedy romance. Did, mm-hmm. did, did these feel dragging? Did this one feel dragging at all? Or was it appropriate? I, I think it was appropriate, but you maybe have a good point in the sense that it's like, you know, this this romance was dragging. So yeah. that, that certainly involved It felt like a, when I was just doing it, it surprised me that it was two hours. Sure, yeah. sure. As far as, you know, Fred's kind of electricity on screen, I mean, he's he's definitely a flirt in this, <laughs> which was kind of fun to watch. Um, at the same time, uh, I think I'm coming out kind of negative on this, uh, or at least at least kind of meh, I'll say, because yeah. uh, same year, Funny Face, pretty iconic. Uh, Fred's got some great numbers in it and is able to fill this this romantic role. Here, I think it was just kind of out, off balance, and I actually don't know which one came out first, but maybe or this one, was, you know... Could have been, this one could have been filmed second, and yeah. could have just been done. Yeah. <laughs> dude, dude needed a rest. Yeah, he's just done. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, not not being too critical of, of a stare here, but if there's gonna... If I'm really going to talk about movies this old on a podcast in the 2020s, mm-hmm. then I need to kind of call out when it's not razzle-dazzle, when it's not really like blowing my mind of yes. like wow sure, this yeah. choreography is like top notch even for today this is where it kind of fell short a little bit okay so but that's about it for Fred Astaire February folks I hope uh, one of these films have sparked some curiosity in honestly what I believe is one of the greatest performers this movie was in a huge high to go out on but uh, for the coming Tom Holland biopic and as well the teased essential special, we will have plenty more dances with a stare. We're going to go ahead and give Silk Stockings a 57. Okay, 57. Yeah, very middle of the road and I would say kind of low for Fred. Yeah. He has some around here though as well. I, I think so. I think Holiday Inn was around here from last year. Right, right. Like that. I was not aware of this Tom Holland oh, no? b- business. Oh, wow. You that t- was a surprise. Yeah, a bad uh, one. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to keep my cool over here. <laughs> so Tom Holland started red as a tomato, folks. Tom Holland's doing a a Fred Astaire. I don't know if it's like a biopic, but he is playing Fred Astaire. Oh uh, no! Granted, this is like oh my god! <laughs> Enough! He's ruining two. <laughs> that guy is ruining. I mean, you ruined Nate Drake. <laughs> He's also could- not. A, I don't know. I wanted to be an American. Oh, I would really sure. like it to be an American too. Sure, especially with how like I'll tell you what you know, thirties like how do you do kind of a you know city is our up and coming actors mm. that you can pull. There's zero. Uh, it's, actually, it's Chalamet mm. and 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 Holland. I I think uh, I, it's I'm hard pressed to to disagree with you. It Vanity sucks. Fair actually did a really big expose on like. What's going know, on with it was our like thirteen actors that they highlighted as trying to really swing it as like the new kids on the block? But you think about who the old kids now, which are the aging kids, right? Right. In, in present day, but like yep. 
like Tom Cruise or very early on could mm-hmm. hold a movie by himself. Sure. And that guy instantly was a movie star. You could say the things kind of the same thing. Well, definitely Leo. Yep. You have Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tom Hanks went on his unbelievably unbelievable nineties run. Sure. Sure. He cast Castaway. But even mm-hmm. before that, he had Big and Splash. Yep. You know, Biggie carried on his own in the eighties. Yep. All, all the rom coms, uh, Sleeping in C- Seattle and Yeah, and like whatnot. he he was but like out of the gate. I mean, Will Smith could go out and, and do a lot. Seriously. <laughs> so your your I observation mean, here is that there's no magnetic, there's no electricity there? My I, I guess my comment of making this is throughout the decades, we always had these kind of up-and-comers, uh-huh. but they weren't so much up-and-coming because they were there already. Mm. They had one or two knockout performances, and sure. they were here as true movie stars. Right, right. I don't – like, who's a true movie star uh, who's left? I, mean, I would say Tom Cruise, <laughs> who's now in his 60s. Brad Pitt, Quentin Tarantino says the same thing. He goes, a great lead in for Vanilla Sky. (laughs) (laughs) Unplanned. Well, it's been on my mind lately with all these. It's just like we don't have any. Okay, 15 years ago, you could say Tom Hardy, Mm, mm. but Tom Hardy is, I think, is like his mid 40s now or something. (laughs) Like he's not a young, older. Yeah, he's not a young gun anymore. And that's my that's my thing. We have none of these like true movie stars. We don't have movie stars anymore. And the ones that we do have are aging to the point where like they're not picking the same roles anymore. Sure, sure. So now we have Chalamet, who I like. Yes. And Tom Holland, yep. who is uh, grading for multiple reasons. <laughs> you really don't like Holland. I mean, what listen, I'm not, I don't know. What, no, what, I'm we not. Return I'm... to the Uncharted <laughs> movie he did last year. <laughs> right. Well, as far anyway, as the Astaire being, news, yeah, what is going? He's, this was. He's I not, mean, this is pre-production news. Also, I'm I'm of the thinking. I mean, with how easily ideas like this get canceled, who's asking for an Astaire movie besides like maybe me? <laughs> and I'm not even. So Does it's it have like, to do with years. Are we coming up on an anniversary of him? Uh, I honestly don't know. I think it's just uh, you know Hollywood wants. Uh, maybe you know maybe this is fueled by like something like a blonde. Not that Astaire is a controversial character in the slightest. But but I think you know what I actually think it might be. Yeah, I remember hearing about this years ago. I think it's him. Mm. The family had the rights to him or his worker to use him mm. in the future, whether it be for commercials or movies oh, or things okay. like that. They had the rights to kind of him as a property, sure, or you doing content on him. And I think that I don't know if they did it for a number of years because mm. you can you can you basically. You buy that for a certain number of years, or you go to court for a certain number right, of years. Right, right, yeah. That is now run out, I believe. Oh, that makes sense. Um, hey, so, super old, too. Yeah, it, could, it I mean? could be that. Coming up probably on 100 years. You know? I will say, <laughs> he's a goofy-looking guy. He is. I can't see Holland as him. Uh, more so, my observation is lankiness as well. You know, Astaire really is, he has a movie called Daddy Long Legs. You know what I mean? He is a... Uh, he's a lanky dude. Yeah, he's a lanky dude. Yeah, well, and he got that, that dancer into, body. Yeah, exactly. He's, uh, uh, and, and I mean, not, I'm not knocking Tom Holland. He's clearly like a Hollywood star. He's a different star, build. He's a different build. It's a different build. build. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, like... A I, shorter one. It was and almost I, refreshing you know. that Austin Butler came out of nowhere. You mm. know, he did Disney's Channel stuff right, and, right. and a movie, no, yeah. or a, a show no one watched. But mm-hmm. he, he, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, who's this guy? Oh, and he's phenomenal. Sure, sure. Um, go to that bin. Don't go to this Tom. Oh, my God. This is getting for everything. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to kick terrible. the hornet's well, It's just going to be terrible. <laughs> well, we'll uh, see. Well, I, honestly, uh, I think yeah. that is ripe for production hell. You know what I mean? Because, again, who's asking for it? What's the market for that? I mean, yeah, but you know, they we'll might put just... the business cap on, you know. Who's asking for yeah, it? Yeah, they'll get digital. Movie. They'll get the digital release. Oh, true. What's the true. one we did early on in the podcast? Was the Sparks? The Sparks Brothers? By oh, Ed- yeah. Edgar Wright. Yeah, yeah. No one asked for that, and <laughs> it was great. Not. And Edgar Wright did it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So anyway, okay, all right. So that's um, Silk Stockings with the fifty-seven. That'll can it now for Fred until next year. <laughs> 
And um, of course, we always are, are hinting at this special that we're going to do as yeah. far as the best of the best kind of must watch yeah, yeah. when it comes to Fred. But okay, 57 for the 1957 Silk Stockings. Now we're going to move, take a big jump here to Vanilla Sky. Like I said in the beginning of the show, this was a surprise for me. Mm. And I'm excited to see the connection or why. It's 2001 Vanilla Sky, directed by Cameron Crowe, who had previously worked with Tom Cruise, and they're back here again uh, together. Yeah, good catch. Yeah, with uh, Jeremy McGuire. Uh, we have Penelope Cruz, a very young Cameron Diaz. We have Kurt Russell. So mm. we have a cast here. Get into Vanilla Sky a little bit, but and most importantly, why this week? Uh, why this week? I was watching with my brother-in-law. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I finally had some bandwidth to... His choice or your choice? His choice. Okay, his all choice. right, all right. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually how I came across Sharper as well. Uh, I watched with, with my buddy Joe, listener of the show. Okay, so, all right. Producer as well. So, yeah, it, <laughs> I, I had some flexibility to finally watch some other movies. You know, I have, you know, three three film studies running simultaneously. Yeah. I got a little bit over my head, so. Uh, uh, like I always tell you, I, I like the random apps. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Vanilla Sky, uh, interesting production history on this one. Originally, this is a Spanish film from 1997. Yes, yep. Called Open Your Eyes. I'm not going to. I'm not gonna try the the Spanish name, but it's open your eyes, uh, which has Penel- Ambre los ojos. <laughs> there you go, our bilingual expert, yeah. <laughs> which has Penelope Cruz in it as well as the same exact character. Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah, and it's like, oh wow, that's that's you don't get that that, that very often. No, that's pretty cool. So, from what I can tell, these films are identical in story uh, with Vanilla Sky. Being a American remake, I guess for a comparison game here, this is like an internal affairs to the departed situation ah. uh, where there is a, I don't want to say viral, but there is a hit international film and then some, you know, there's there's the American remake or call back to a special girl with a direct tattoo. Oh, very true. Similar kind of concept to it there. But uh, there is quite a difference here among all those comparisons because the defining defining feature here is Tom Cruise. (laughs) Boy. (laughs) If we have any new listeners here, uh, Vin's not the biggest Tom Cruise guy. Definitely not. I liked him (laughs) and then didn't like him and and hated him for a number of years. (laughs) Okay. And for a while now, I've been back on the cruise train. I would really love for you to watch this film just to give me a heads or tails if it was – if it's – sparked the tom cruise hatred or not okay <laughs> okay I, I probably won't right right or maybe but, look up some some youtube videos. well this is around this time where we've covered two of the films one of them was eyes wide shut yep not the biggest fan and magnolia which you did like yeah and but cruise was relatively fine i would say uh, yeah uh, certainly a big character but filled a good role for that character yes okay so. So how do we get him in Vanilla Sky? Uh, well, I, uh, Vanilla Sky is a is a hard film to talk about. We have two hard films, uh, maybe three hard films to talk about. Okay, all right. Uh, just because I have to dance around spoilers quite a bit. Um, you know, I really want to stay away from spoilers here for Vanilla Sky because one of the best qualities of the film is how expansive the story is. You know, I feel this film falls plainly in the early two thousands trend of. You know, kind of like a mind-blowing story. Uh, they're really trying to, you know, is have it, you walk yeah. out with some wow factor. Is it uh, weird to say it has that 98 to 2002? <laughs> there's like this genre almost. I don't yeah. know. There's this feel to these films. Yep. And I think this is one of them. That's exactly. Even like American Psycho, I feel like oh, you can sure. jump into that. Yeah, yeah, and Same thing with Magnolia. There's just these films that are just a little. <laughs> they just, they want these big, expansive stories, a little bit of a mind blow at the end. Right, know? yeah. yeah. So, you know, I can't say 
I about too too much. I'll, I will get into it, but uh, this one is worth the ride. I would say for just how expansive. I mean, it really takes you on a, on a ride here, and I think that was a very good quality, if not the best quality of the film. We see our main character David Ames, uh, played by Cruz, played played by Tom Cruise. We got two Cruises yeah, yeah. here. <laughs> I gotta be careful. At the very peak of his life, he has inherited his status to become a sort of. Book mogul Bruce Wayne. Uh, he's like a uh, billionaire playboy in New York. He has absurd riches, devilishly good looks, and most importantly, sheer confidence to take on any situation with maximum Tom Cruise coolness. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, it's a lot, is what it is. Uh, and yes, I'm still talking about the character. It is uh, the character is a very interesting parallel to Tom Cruise. It's <laughs> almost the best casting I've ever seen. <laughs> it's really, it's really incredible. Uh, his life of luxury is shaken to its core, however, uh, when his cavalier attitude leaves relationships both personal and professional, scorned. And for the first time in his life, David Ames cannot get what he wants most, most notably a relationship with Penelope Cruz. So that's kind of our setup there. And that's really only like the first 30 minutes of the setup. And then it goes pretty wild okay. from there. Okay. So, But that's our main character. Yeah, that's we're, our main. We're set in New York, correct? Yep. Okay. Yep. Right in Manhattan. And an interesting kind of pre-9-11 film. This was released in 2001 uh, and highlights the city in an interesting time capsule at that time. I mean, granted. So, so the Twin Towers in the shot still. Uh, I don't know if it's in the shot. It's just uh, that feeling of turn of the millennium New York it just well, there was there was something captured there and obviously I mean that's kind of you know a throwaway praise uh, right that's going to mean something to us that's not going to mean something to everyone right so. right but interesting all those French listeners we have <laughs> <laughs> All those fresh listeners. Oh, you know. <laughs> uh, Tom, I cannot stress enough. This is Tom Cruise, the movie. He is like. Great. <laughs> Nick Cage level acting <laughs> here. Uh, it's two hours and sixteen minutes. Do we get? Is it a roller coaster we're on? Oh, it's definitely a roller coaster. Okay. Again, I can't praise enough how wild the story goes. Okay, so we this. have calm cruise, we have romantic cruise, we have crazy cruise. Yep. Yeah, okay. we definitely got crazy cruise. Okay. <laughs> uh, and Do we have Mission Impossible cruise. Uh, no, that's yeah. We're missing action cruise, which. Might be the best known cruise. <laughs> but yeah, so much of the character plays right into his acting persona in the early nine or I'm sorry, in the early two thousands. And so much of the character oozes the same douchebag energy he has early on in his career. Like it's I feel like the director obviously worked with them for Jerry Maguire, but like as soon as he put pen to paper, he must have been thinking about Tom Cruise, like, all over the map with this one. Yeah. It is his movie. And that's where, like, yeah, that description of the summary uh, or the summary of the story, only uh, a very small fraction of the, the two-hour-plus runtime, uh, it does – it never stops being about Tom Cruise. So it's it's really it's, – it's all him. Uh, and I must admit, you know, this really – it jokes aside, it might be the most perfect casting imaginable. I, I don't I don't know in all of my film useless knowledge uh, a better <laughs> casting here. So uh, – but I think it's all at the detriment of actually sitting through this film and watching Tom Cruise act. I'm not joking. There is – Almost Nick Cage level acting here from Tom and Tom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's rough. It's it's rough to watch. Um, he's 
I mean, uh, maybe that's a praise for 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 some people. Maybe even if you your skin in the game to watch this is to see Tom Cruise overact to such extremes. Right. So that could be a positive. For me, it was a detriment to taking a film that tries to be very serious and tries to, you know, have a serious, deep redemption for his character. And it, you know, while it may be fun to watch at times, I feel like it hurt what the film was going after, you know. Tom Cruise definitely, he he's not sometimes the best at emotional beats or right. connecting with his co-star on screen. Sure, sure. Chemistry often isn't there yep. with Tom Cruise and whoever he's with. Mm-hmm. He's like great for a different reason. Yeah. Like those action roles that we've come to know him for. Absolutely. So, yeah, as I can't I can't sit over here and, and say how great of an actor <laughs> Tom Cruise is. Right, right. But je- I usually like seeing him, but mm. it's a different kind of role for him. It's very different. It's different and it's also the same. It's the same. <laughs> yeah, it's real, real hard. But I think, again, while it may be f- my critical opinion here, um, because it's it's fun. It, there is almost enjoyment in watching Tom Cruise overact so much. Again, I cannot understate that that Nick Cage level comparison. Uh, and bad Cage, so. Cage, um, Cage, Cage has his own. Sure. Sure. Ups and downs. But it's Nick Cage as the meme. Yes, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the most extremes of everything. I, I think at here, again, it's a detriment to the film because eventually the film is trying to create a very deep redemption story. And I feel like, Cruise, you never forget how extreme he went in this film okay. uh, throughout the runtime. Hmm. So, uh, Cameron Crowe uh, both directs and adapts the screenplay here. I, I I don't want to say this to be mean. I really don't. But it feels like a story a college student wrote, <laughs> if, if that makes sense. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It, it's it's going to be hard to expand on without spoilers. But where I would tune this in and where this feeling kind of comes up is that these character moments that you have, whether it's Tom Cruise or really any of the actors here, they take a they take kind of a back seat to just kind of throw out something that is a cool aspect or an aspect clearly that Crow has that thinks can define characters if they make a certain reference or if they make like a deep cut or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it all feels very surface level. And again, I'm not saying that's necessarily bad, but it just feels a, a tiny bit amateurish. And it caused me to kind of go back and see how much is Crow writing on these. And it turns out he's actually writing quite a bit as well as directing. Okay. So, all right. I, I just want to be, you know, clear that I think it gave me kind of a, a certain feeling of this amateurishness. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, and believe me, I, I you know, I wrote some some bad things. Hopefully, to never see the light of day. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so uh, I I don't say it in a mean way, but I think it as well. It kind of adds to the description of what this film is, the type of story it's being told in 2001. This mind blowing aspect, the twists and turns of it. That's that's where I kind of feel um, this gut feeling to the to the writing. Yeah, it's lacking. Sense. It's lacking a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did he write? Did, we, did he write Jerry Maguire as well? I think so. I think, uh, and then um, hmm. so it's a little surprising that maybe it's a little lackluster. I, I've never seen Jerry Maguire, so maybe the that is next on the list, isn't it? <laughs> oh no! Late nineties cruise. <laughs> Tom, don't make me that's watch a, Tom. That's supposed to be like the best one, though. No, you know, sure. Okay, all right. <laughs> 
Uh, supporting cast, uh, though, is where this film picks up some praise. And I want to end, well, not end, but I want to, you know, the second half of this, I really want to praise the film. Penelope, Penelope Cruz is very good in this, uh, a total magnet, magnetic force mm. for the romance that supports the whole story. I guess she had a practice run. <laughs> yes, seriously. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, it's really good. Um, uh, she has a wonderful kindness that really makes the whole thing work. And um, I, I can't say I really know Penelope Cruz in any other role that I say off the top of my head. Like, wow, yeah, she's, she's good. She's very good in this. She plays so. um, Johnny Depp's main wife in Blow, correct? Uh, true. True. And it's just like not calm and warm in that film at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, and then uh, a surprise appearance from Kurt Russell playing a, an unusual role as his psychologist. I would say this is a big role for why I think the whole story is worth paying attention to. You know, these 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 type of films that are you know, almost intentionally trying to be mind-blowing of the time, it's sometimes I feel like there's not a huge reason unless you know there's a twist to pay attention. I feel uh, Russell's character here was a perfect reason why we kind of Hmm. keep engaged with it. You know, there is a jump in time that we see them interact in, Cruz and, 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 and Russell, and it's so important to keeping our attention with the plot because otherwise I think the perception of the story would be it's entirely a romance until a certain point. So it gives us something to be like, oh, wait, there's there's something a little bit different here. There's something why I want to kind of lean into this then. Right, so. right. Uh, another positive for me is audio design. Uh, there's really cool highlights of clues through audio design. Can't say there's many films that kind of leave clues to the mystery in audio. It was very interesting uh, as far as having that in the composition. I wouldn't falter a viewer not catching it because there's also a very in-your-face 2001 soundtrack that is going to be licensed to sell CDs, <laughs> you know, and so you can have Vanilla Sky in your car. But, uh, but yeah, really cool stuff uh, as far okay. as the... Um, that's you know, different. That's a little different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Something unique. Folks, if you enjoy a good twist or the, you know, uh, tend to enjoy these movies from the early 2000s, uh, I would say I would recommend this as a good ride, but be warned, Tom Cruise is dangerously close to sinking the entire experience for me. Um, This easily was the most overacting he has ever done, (laughs) and the parallel within the character made it nearly impossible for me to separate my annoyance from both the character in the story and Tom Cruise in real life. Uh, luckily, this movie has a lot of juggles and a lot to love, but don't get it twisted. This is Tom Cruise, the movie. We're going to go ahead and give Vanilla Sky a 63. Oh, wow. Okay, 63. <laughs> that was the optimistic one. Yeah, I don't think that's that's not terrible. 63 is, okay. is an all right movie. All right, all right. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know if I have much interest in it. Because you got it. Go- he's, he's in this, he's in this weird, like I said, he's in this stretch of movies yeah. where he's... I just don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, if he's going to be all Tom Cruise, that makes me that makes me interested now. Okay. Like, I think I would rather watch this maybe than Eyes Wide Shut. Well, there you go. There you um, go. I forget, <laughs> yeah, I forget, I'm talking about a different movie. I forgot what you gave that though. Uh, I think I gave Eyes Wide Shut in the '70s. More so, I mean, Kubrick's filmmaking was just on great oh God, display I forgot there. It was yeah, oh yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um, okay. All right. So 63 for Vanilla Sky and an overtop Tom Cruise. <laughs> and like super young Cameron Diaz, right? Uh, oh yes, absolutely. I mean, not uh, not like mask young, but yeah. Oh my young God, I Diaz. she was in the mask too. Oh, yeah. oh that's, that's right. Her that was first role. That's right. Yeah. She was like twenty, right? Oh, I I don't know actually. I, she might have been. 
Even like oh, 19. Yeah, like super young. Yeah. Um, okay, right. So 63. We're going to continue with our Alejandro and Aritu study. And I, I don't know why I thought he he didn't do too many films. And I guess he actually hasn't done all too many. Sure. I mean, we covered, what, three so far? Uh, t- uh, this is the second one, actually, only. Well, third. But, oh, uh, you mean like Bardo and, oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah uh, we, newer productions. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've covered three. Mm. We had one on the site already. Yeah. Birdman. Uh, Birdman and, and Revenant. Revenant. Oh, okay, no, all right. No. He's done more than I thought. <laughs> well, this is 2003. This is called 21 Grams. Mm-hmm. And this is with Sean Penn and uh, Benicio Del Toro. And actually a lot of other faces, too, in the film. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. So this is now an Amer- – he's now making films in America, correct? Uh, yeah. I mean, this is his first real American production. Yeah. Uh, and very adventurous as well. Okay. All right. So break it down with us a little bit and – you know, I'm, I'm excited to see, are there any kind of drips that you can see in his future movies and everything mm, like that? You yeah. know what I mean? Can you start to see patterns with him? I think it is a big difference now that he's in America making a film. Sure. Because he has, goes on this stretch, becomes very famous. Yep. And then, of course, Bardo, he goes back to Mexico. Yeah. So what do we kind of get with 21 Grams? Uh, well, I mean, I think you're, you're right on the money. As far as watching this, I mean, I <laughs> I tackled one movie and then said it was a study and then I, <laughs> I put him on the back burner. So uh, I was kind of scrambling to see if there were, were connections or if I could even pick up the connections. Um, and I, I don't necessarily see dreamlike aspects, but you can really tell that he has, you know, no boundaries as far as the type of story he's telling. 21 Grams is a very unique bird. It is uh, not like almost any other movie I've watched. Uh, really? In, in a very, very good way. I'm coming out very positive for 21 okay. Grams. Okay, yeah. all right. I mean, you want to talk about Inarito's batting average? He's looking real he's looking good. pretty as, good. Yeah, what absolutely. What did we give the last one? What was it, Nine Dogs or something? What was the last one? <laughs> uh, uh, Amores Peros. Oh, that's right, that's uh, right. Yeah, uh, loves a pitch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I actually forget why. That's how long it was. It was beginning of February. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I forgot what I gave it. Yeah, we're putting Hughes on the back burner a little bit. And honestly, I am, you know, as middle of the road as the Hughes or the 80s Hughes movies that have been, it has been, it was a. It was a breath of fresh air to come back to something so high caliber. Uh, and wow, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. 21 Grams really surprised me. Like from the very first scene, I like I was laying down and I sat up. And I was like, oh, yes. Really? Like, finally. All right, <laughs> like, finally, a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dig into it. Now. All right. I'm so uh, 21 Grams is a bold story structure. Uh, and editing style. And before talking about anything of story itself, it's important to highlight this. The plot unfolds in three lanes with three main characters in each of those lanes. Sean Penn, Naomi Watts, and Benicio Del Toro. Literally all fantastic. Uh, I mean, all three of these are, I mean, it is powerhouse performances, uh, and we'll get into that a little bit. Scene to scene, we are constantly snapping around various points in the timeline of that story, as well as shifting into these different lanes of characters. So, scene one highlights Sean Penn. Scene two may highlight Naomi Watts, but in a different point of the timeline of the story, of the plot. And we are constantly being re-rolled. We're constantly being jumbled around. Sometimes those characters overlap. Sometimes all char- all three char- main characters are mm. in the same scene. But we are 
always repuzzling and repuzzling the story together to see, you know, what exactly is the story, what is tying these three characters together, uh, okay. and why does it all matter? Interesting. It's, a, it's very interesting, and I mean this like from scene to scene. There is not a single scene that is presented in sequential order. We are constantly jumping around from different timelines so, and and different and these different lanes of characters, basically. I mean, that feels like that could be really annoying. You uh, know what I mean? Like that's quite a juggling act. Sure. If you, you want to get it right. Sure. Because are you confused constantly, or are you with it enough where you're okay with this complete time jumping, or? Or are the time jumps not very long? Like we were talking about days apart or maybe months apart, but not years or – you know what I mean? Uh, it's not years, but it is It is uh, disorienting at first because you're just trying to figure out what the hell is like going on. what is going yeah. on. Yeah, and, and, and if anything, me sitting up is just saying – what the hell is going on? And I gotta get yeah. ready for this. Like right, right. <laughs> yeah. Not only could I not take notes because I had to be like lasered on the screen, okay, to make sure that I n- could catch what it was. But there was kind of a morbid curiosity of just like, all right, this is really cool. I like the editing a lot, but can it keep it up? And I'm happy to say it keeps it up for the whole thing. Okay. It really is defined by this editing style but no in two a very se- good way. No two scenes back to back. Yes. Are we actually in sequential order? Yep. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Bold. So Very bold. Uh, it's very bold. And that's why I said, I mean, it's not, I can't see what I always thought was Inaritu's trademark of dream sequences. It's, there's no really dream sequences here, but it's just like, man, he'll just tackle the, the craziest concepts. Yeah, because his film before, Amoris Peros, dealt yeah. with time-lapsing as well. Yeah, so you had yeah. three different stories going on, correct? Absolutely, yeah, and yeah. They, they kind of overlapped in certain ways. So uh, I think he's just very adventurous when it comes to uh, you know movie structures or, or story structures. So, uh, But Tom, you know how much I adore editing. And when editing is actually a highlight that I can, I can, yeah. you know, I can praise... Uh, and I really felt that this film struck a perfect balance of an engaging puzzle, uh, but really never dipping into being too confusing. And that's why I want to kind of introduce it in this way, because if anyone was to watch this film and kind of get frustrated what it is, understand that sometimes we're even shown the very last scenes, if you will, the very last story beats of the story pretty early on in the film. And that's why it's also very hard to talk about from a story perspective (laughs) because you're watching like 15 minutes in and you kind of see the last scene. And I found that very, very impressive that like it kind of gives you what to look for, if you will, the corner pieces to the jigsaw. Okay, yeah. Uh, and then the rest of the the rest of the movie is putting it All in. Right. Now you sold me on that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the the puzzle piece thing that can I can kind of help me sell it. Sure. Because if you just say you're kind of given the ending at the beginning, yeah. Again, once again, I'm annoyed. Okay. Fair enough. You know what I mean? Fair enough. I think I think uh, where this uh, where I was so positive on it is that you know I like engaging plots, I like being engaged with the film, and when events start falling into place, either shown from a different perspective, or shown in you know uh, a way that maybe highlights. Uh, a small piece. Um, for instance, Sean Penn gets his foot cut at some point, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Well, when, when does he get his foot cut?" And when that finally falls into place, the film is always gently guiding you to putting it together for yourself. I think uh, I don't want to call it training wheels, but it sounds intimidating to to dive into. I'm telling you, it is a good ride because you are you are 
put side by side with almost the character understanding mm. as well. Uh, it really is good. The ordering, if you will, of the jigsaw, you know, it's a masterwork from, from Inarritu and his He's just that editor. good. He's oh, yeah. that good. Absolutely. So I'm still confused. All right. So can you, what can you tell us about it? Sure. It's about sure. 21 grams and then subtitle, How Much Does Life Weigh? <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't, I don't know, you know, I still don't know what right. I'm here for. <laughs> I, I think it, it, it refers to a line in the film, and I, I don't know if this is like urban myth or whatnot, but when, when a body, when, when someone dies, uh, 21 grams are left from the body. Obviously, some people refer, referring to that as like a soul. Some people referring to that probably as like just like gas, <laughs> you know, <laughs> gas leaving the body. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, that's what the the title refers to. Okay, and then it also can I say what's on the movie poster? Uh, sure. It's on the mo- movie poster, sure. <laughs> says they say we all lose twenty one grams at the exact same moment of our death. Oh. Everyone, the weight of a stack of nickels, the weight of a chocolate bar, the weight of a hummingbird. Yep, and that's directly a Sean Penn line in this. So okay, I still got nothing. I still got nothing. I see the twenty-one in the same exact way that that twenty-one movie said it with Kevin Spacey, the card counting movie. <laughs> it literally looks very similar. <laughs> Split diagonally yeah, on yeah. the phone. Fo- yeah, yeah. All right. Can you yeah. talk about what we're connected with at least? Yes. What's yes. the what's the glue here? Absolutely. So these three characters, again, why I refer to these in lanes is we 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 look at these three main characters. It's not just them; it's their lives and their and and the the characters around them as well. Uh, and sometimes that overlaps, and sometimes that doesn't. They are brought together by a freak accident, uh, and that's really the convergence point. So if you want to look at it as like a story structure, we have these these three characters. They cross at one point, they cross at some other points, but all three cross at one point and then kind of <laughs> kind of get undone then towards the end of the movie. Okay. Towards the end of the, the story itself. Um, you said by freak accident, kind of. Yes. Again, is that connection kind of to America? Paris? Paris? Yeah. Um, was it, I thought there was an accident there or there was tra- yeah. or tra- I would say trauma yeah. and things like that. I, I, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it definitely the harshness as well yeah. uh, of that. Uh, he's not holding any punches. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, you know, Amoris Peros had some, some intense dog fighting. You know I mean? He's not right, afraid right. to put some really harsh looks at reality in front of you here. And that tragic event creates ripples within these three characters' lives, basically. Drastic ripples that if there's a skin in the game, why we pay attention beat to beat, even if you're not engaged with his editing, it's just seeing how they're affected by what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and seeing the wonderful, wonderful performances from all three of these. Acting-wise, we get two Oscar nominations, one for Naomi and one for uh, Benicio. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, not saying that Sean Penn isn't great in this. I'm actually unsure why he didn't maybe get some love uh he would be kind of in a supporting role but he definitely pulls his weight he's nominated uh, for the for the bafta oh there you go man our other two uh are absolutely knocking out of, out of the park um i would say the elevator pitch here for why their acting is so good is that 21 grams kind of looks at survivor guilt as a concept Oh, okay. Uh, why am I alive versus others? Sure. And how that survivor guilt manifests its, itself in each of these three characters. Not once does it dip into overdramatic. Not once does it ever fall out of a uh, a dark, dark realism. And specifically what Benicio and uh, Naomi bring to that table is incredible. Uh, I mean, really top notch. I didn't look up what they were up against on the nominations uh, for that year. Uh, this was 2003. Okay. But uh, I'll tell you, out of all of them, Naomi Watts probably gets she the crushed crown it. for it. Yeah, she crushed it. It's funny, too, because you have 
because you're separated equally here, mm-hmm. you have three main characters. Yeah. Right? Or, or are they nominated for supporting? Uh, I believe Naomi is actually nominated for lead, uh, which is, which is odd. I think they're kind of all, it's a three way split, but, uh, yeah, she's nominated for lead. Benicio, I believe, was nominated for supporting. What's funny is that the BAFTAs was all leading. Uh, and I which think that's funny. the better perspective, honestly. Yeah, but it's kind of funny to think that you have one movie and you have two lead actors up for the role. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? It's very rare that something like that can happen. You're right, right. But Naomi Woods, she's just like crushing it. Oh, she's absolutely crushing it. I mean, uh, between this and The Ring, I'll honestly be a little bit more keen in looking out for Naomi cool. on, 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 you know, different different uh, castings. You know, folks at home, this if, if all my praise of style, if all my praise of structure doesn't key it in for you, understand that there is a immense performance from these two. Even if you don't like maybe these two actors, I feel like it is well worth your time to see just how they reflect trauma in... All different ways. Mm-hmm. And again, I can't stress enough. I mean, if anything related to Vanilla Sky, not once does it dip into overdramatic. Just I, feels I, real. It feels almost scary real. And that realism was, if anything, the trademark of Amoris Peros. And I'm seeing it once a year, one, here once again. Wow. So it was, it was, it was tremendous. 21 grams, uh, like I said, I think. Closing remarks on this, it is an examination of survivor's guilt uh, in some of the harshest ways imaginable. I think this has the emotional surge of something like 2021's Mass, but it's so much better produced, you know? I praised a lot of of Mass uh, going back to to last year, and it just takes it to a whole new level, uh, just having a... Not only a very unique story structure to it, but um, but having that big production behind him. For his second film, like I said, I can't say I see a lot of dreamlike aspects. However, this coming off the last film, I can clearly see that Inaritu has no boundaries in how he composes a story. We're going to go ahead and give 21 grams an 84. Ooh, just kidding. You're just yeah. not quite there, huh? <laughs> yeah. I, not I'm, making the jump. I, I don't think it makes the jump to 85. Again, like I've said in the past, it's it's a little bit split in hairs at that point. It's what, but yeah, it's, it's one point. But yeah, it's phenomenal. Phenomenal movie. Well worth your uh, 84 time. 84 is a phenomenal score. Absolutely. I mean, all of last year... We we did not touch in the eighties much at all, <laughs> right? At least for um, new productions. Yeah, well, yeah, but eighty four percent is really good. This is the same writer as Amoris Peros mm. as well. Interesting. It's, it's funny how could explain that three 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 way split kind of thing, right? It seems like his biggest through line so far. What we really have is time mm. through most of the movies and not dream sequences. Yeah, yeah. Because when you think about time, it's you have Amoris Peros deals with it. Yeah, this is dealing with it. Yep. In a almost reverse way, you're dealing with time in a different kind of way in Birdman. Sure, sure. Because it's everything. It's a reflection about, of his past. Literally everything is. But even just making the everything is about time. Yeah. The whole same f- with Bardo. The fake one shot thing. Oh, sure, absolutely. And Bardo and the Revenant is the odd man out. Uh, the Revenant is odd man out for most for dream sequences. <laughs> it is, yeah, for, because even the dream sequences are dub. I really like those in the movie, but yeah. uh, they they're definitely sprinklings to it. So uh, I can't wait. For us to cover his last two movies. Yeah. He yeah. is. He's batting a thousand right now. He's he doing a really great job. He really is. That's what I was saying. His batting average as far as ratings on the site is huge. And as far as guys that you are really hot on. Yeah. And consistency's sake. Uh, Inaritu. Of course, there's... Um, Villeneuve? Yeah. Yeah. Denny. 
Yeah. Are just like all, all really hard to pronounce well. names. <laughs> <laughs> but even like like you look at Denny's first one we went back to in 2010, maybe yep. 2009, and that was his foreign film. Yep. Yeah. His foreign language film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you loved it. Very, a lot of realism, yep. brutal realism as well. Yeah. And what was that called? That was. Um, oh, and Cindy's. And Cindy's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Really liking these directors. Uh, yeah. From I mean, 2000 now. Because we yeah. always said the act of 2000s actors was mm-hmm. Nolan. Uh, we'll yeah, still, we'll still stick with. Right. Yeah, I, I think so. And yeah. the 2010s definitely belonged to Denny. Yeah, I, I, I would give it to him. Uh, and, and I mean, Inaritu would be definitely looked at, but I think he's just he's got, he's got too many of, gaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, yeah. In, in the production, uh, a huge score, 84 yeah. percent for 21 grams, folks. Go and check it out. Absolutely. It's a, yeah. It's we're really loving Inaritu lately. He does one of my favorite films mm. ever. Yeah, uh, it's like top three. Yeah, big. I'm I'm probably gonna watch this one shortly. That's good. really good to hear. I'm glad that and, uh, I'm glad I, that you were really about it. I I will be fascinated to hear if uh, you were at all. You know, even the slightest bit annoyed mm-hmm. by the presentation. I think if I'm prepped and primed, yeah, I'll be good to go. And that's why I wanted to introduce it even way before any story. Not that it's. It, I mean, it's very difficult to talk about the story without you know stepping into some kind of spoiler. Yeah. Uh, but um, I'll tell you what. I mean, this is. Uh, this this was something that I was heavily engaged in. I was like, again, I, I was laying down. I stood right up. I was like, oh man, thankfully, <laughs> finally, <laughs> a movie I like. Awesome. Well, I'm happy for you. Right. I'm happy that you got that 84 in there for 21 grams. Yeah, yeah. All right, folks. Before we move on here to our last two new release films, just a reminder to you: Are you finding the podcast, the website, valuable? Um, are you enjoying it here? Are you making your own movie lists? Are mm. you laughing, crying, whatever? <laughs> Uh, if you could, go to the dailyratings.com, you go to the donations tab, and we have some set amounts, we have some reoccurring donations, but we also have the value for value button that you can go ahead and click, and that's whatever amount of value you're getting, you put to a dollar sign amount to it, and you send us that monetary support our way. You write in a note as well in the comment section, as long as you want, whatever you want it to be, we're going to mm-hmm. read it here, we're going to answer your questions, if there's questions in there you have for us. Uh, it's a way to connect to you. Can we improve? Do you Absolutely. just have random questions for us? If you want to dig into us, you know. <laughs> exactly. Give us the tiniest amount, send it our way, and, and then you can rip yeah. into us all you want. But um, we're building things here. We have, a, we have a few fun things hopefully coming out in the near future. We're excited for 2023. We hope you are as well. Again, it's the dailyratings.com. You go to the donations tab, and we thank you all so much. All right, so now this goes to our Apple release. Mm. Uh, like I said in the beginning, I, I really not on my radar. Sure. Almost non-existent from anything that's popping up on my algorithms, at yeah. least, as far as ads <laughs> or things being shoved in my face. Yeah, I don't think they're putting a lot of money towards it either. It's new. It's a yeah. new release. I mean, it just yeah. came out February 17th. Like I said, I'm seeing Ted Lasso everywhere. Um, <laughs> I'm seeing nothing on this film. It's called Sharper. I mean, we have a cast, you know? There's a cast. <laughs> there is a cast. <laughs> uh, and it's Apple, so... If you could just kind of get into it a little bit yeah. here, and how was it? Yeah. So back to the depths of uh, Apple TV. <laughs> really, the most bad hellish... the worst, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Hulu's doing better. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just the user interface. I mean, may, they make it a living hell if you are not an oh. Apple user. It's just it's terrible. But. I thought this movie was pretty good. Whoa! Yeah, I thought this movie was pretty good. Oh, you're hiding out, okay? I know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Sharper's hiding out in the in the depths of Apple TV. <laughs> um, this is the first feature film for Benjamin Caron. Caron. Plenty of prestige TV experience. He did The Crown, Sherlock, and Andor. 
most recently. That's a very that's a very good TV reputation. Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of people in my ear over Andor as a Star Wars. Well, I hear it's the one good thing. Oh, that's yeah. not true. People like Mandalorian. Sure, sure. From what I understand, people love Andor. Yeah, yeah. The que- so. and then there's the big question I've heard, which is, <laughs> okay, would you still would you rather have zero Star Wars to 2003 <laughs> episode three? Okay, or would you Ooh. rather have everything because Andor is that good? Interesting. That's, I've heard a couple of people talk about that. Yeah, I, and well, they just say Andor is just uh, it. Finally, it's taking it seriously. Um, uh, the little bit that I dived into, it was. I mean, we're gonna go into a Star Wars right <laughs> very close here, so I gotta be careful. Uh, I I'll just felt it was distinctly un-Star Wars, but not a bad thing. It was almost like cyberpunk Star Wars. But uh, anyway, well, it, from what we've been getting, it's like yeah. anything, please, just anything. <laughs> right. Anyway, right. okay, so. Props yeah. to the director, though, if he's directing. Yes. And I love, but I only watched season one of The Crown, I okay. think. Maybe season really? two. I, yeah, I have a weird thing. I loved it, just like Stranger Things. Loved season one. Got other people in the season one. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you. you. Be, yeah, yeah. Uh, never watched more. <laughs> <laughs> one and done. Uh, That's the old Tommy, <laughs> Tommy fake out. But if he's doing Sherlock as well, this guy is coming to him with some chops. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and a recent podcast fave as well, Clint Mansell, actually killing both the score and the soundtrack on this one. I uh, really enjoyed it. Um, Sharper is described as a neo-noir, uh, which I like well enough. I feel like that's very vague of what it actually is and as a genre, what the hell you're getting into. I will go ahead and add an additional tag of young adult as well, and I'll explain that in a little bit, but okay. young adult neo-noir, as, as asinine as that sounds, uh, it really is uh, what kind of captures the feel of the film. Uh, it's a onion of a story where we explore the world of confident schemers, con men, con women, uh, and is presented through this kind of layered, segmented plot that is broken up by characters with deeper and deeper skin in the game. We're kind of going down. I'm trying to avoid the Shrek comparison, but we're going into the onion. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, it is. It's it's very interesting. And I mean specifically, we're kind of exploring a greater world of con men, which uh, had my attention. You know, I really liked the the slick crime of this film con artist movies are really good absolutely yeah so uh when the stories begin to overlap with characters we see the facade of what is initially presented to us as true kind of crumble into pieces uh it's basically kind of a messy circle of hurt feelings and loose ends to a con that is quickly spiraling out of control and like i said i mean i'm really into any type of slick crime film this slick crime ring that we get introduced to that is where this neo-noir kind of label is coming from but uh i would say kind of a young adult crime film is probably a better label for it okay would you put um, it in the thriller aspect is it is it certainly nail biting a little bit you know what i mean just as far as you know are they gonna get caught kind of thing okay all right yeah but the segmented story structure was actually easily my favorite part about this film Uh, each character starts with a Half step back in the story timeline, giving us just enough background and ramp up into why they have skin in the game, why they matter, why we're focusing on it, and then it's just enough of a ramp to keep the plot uh, the plot progressing uh, and the main plot that all of them interact with. There is a, a slightly unfortunate side effect to this that. After seeing this type of setup so many times, I think the keen watcher could really guess the last 40 minutes of the film. 
Oh, okay. Uh, that's where I, I almost add this type of young adult label to it because I was it's predictable. Like yeah, it's a little easy. The end's a little bit too much of a button up. Are you you get where I'm coming from? Yeah. With I mean, are you supposed to be guessing things here? Like, are oh, you picking up sure. on things? For or sure. is it more? Okay. But it's fast and snappy. So we're not dealing with like a, like mm-hmm. an Ocean's 13, which is quick yep. and kind of witty and funny, <laughs> but it's con artists, it's thief. Right, the thievery. This yeah. is, this is not that. Uh, no, it is that absolutely. Okay, uh, it's just more so kind of focusing on the world of other con men and uh, how they okay. how how this maybe one scheme kind of interacts with that. Gotcha. So, okay, uh, not necessarily a bad thing. Just going back to the the buttoned up aspect yeah. of it or the predictability to it, but. Um, I, I thought a you know as a defining feature of the film, I liked the segmented chapters of each of the characters. You know, I liked it being broken up, uh, if you will, a poor man Tarantino type of way. Okay. So uh, I've been using poor man a lot. I actually don't know if I'm using that correctly. <laughs> it's we'll go with it. A lesser. I find that you stick on a word briefly. <laughs> You'll use it like three or four times, <laughs> right. maybe throughout two or three episodes, then you yep. drop it. Yeah, yeah. What were you saying the other... I forget what your last <laughs> one was. The crown. You kept on saying he's got the, cr- like, oh, the he's crown. He's got the crown. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's because I, well, I, I write all the notes at once. And yeah, it's, <laughs> they're all the same. Uh, but yeah. There are a lot of performances here, uh, and most of which are solid. Uh, Justin Smith is not one of them. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> he is just not a great actor. I don't mean to beat the kid up, but um, yeah, I don't really he, know him. I don't know what else he's uh, in. Detective Pikachu, he was in the, the JW2 and JW1, or JW3. Okay. <laughs> the Jurassic World. Um, you know, I, there's not one thing I've seen him in that really hits. And granted, his role here kind of plays even to that typecast of kind of a nothing kind of forgettable role. Uh, but it just still wasn't good. Uh, luckily, everyone else is really good. Sebastian Stan is great here. Total confidence man. Um, really reminded me of his role in Fresh that we covered. Okay. Uh, that uh, he's just he's just a charmer on screen and uh, in a really good way. I liked that that maybe is becoming his his post Marvel typecasting. I think that's a good typecasting. What was name with Marvel again? Oh, he's Winter Soldier. Uh, oh, the, yeah. that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, he apparently he's great in that that Pam and Tommy. Oh yes, so yes. apparently he's like great in that. You're right, and that's right. actually a pretty good production, from what I understand. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Julian Moore is solid. Uh, I really we have just one issue with her character. There is an aspect of the her character, uh, and for a movie that is so dependent on real stakes around will they get caught, won't they get caught. There is such a heavily underused aspect to Julian Moore's character, and I, I can't talk about it because it's a spoiler, but as soon as you come across it, you're going to know what I'm saying because it's like, I, I think at a certain point, problems stop being problems once <laughs> once they finally come across this. Like, I feel like the entire film could be a non-issue with <laughs> with with just like what the position that she's put in. Okay, okay. Uh, You're so, dancing around it. I'm trying to get... <laughs> it's just... <laughs> yeah, it's 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 related to money. Let's just say that. Okay, uh, okay. And a, a large amount of money. So surprisingly, I mean, I first time seeing her, Brianna Middleton uh, or Middleton was easily the best. She shows oh, okay. a lot of range in this. Uh, she's she was in the Tender Bar. 
Yeah. The tender bar. Tender bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so I didn't see that. And uh, she was really good at this. Uh, she has a lot of range uh, in this and, and it was total surprise. I think um, her character was just given the most moments to show range and she stepped up to the plate. Uh, so a okay. surprise hit. Uh, I definitely wasn't expecting to be rooting for her. I also like the tender bar at the movie. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Thought it was good. <laughs> was it good? This is the one where uh, Ben Affleck's a like recovering alcoholic. Yeah, or? kind of. I actually that's probably going to list. It's actually pretty good. Really? I think it's the best thing he's done since Argo. Whoa. Okay. I don't know. What's, I mean, is that <laughs> is that Woen really? Fair enough. Who's Fair fighting enough. for that? Who's fighting? Uh, I think actually we we split the bill on Argo. We, you didn't like it that much. No, no, no. I thought it was fine. I didn't oh, think okay. it was to the love that it was getting. Oh, I true. didn't love Gone Girl all that much. Oh, re- oh that's you did. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a fine movie. Yeah. But uh, overall, I think this film gave me a little bit of Parasite vibes uh, in just how the con unfolds layer by layer. Uh, also reminded me a little bit of an anime called Great Pretender uh, in how the interaction between other con men and the world of con men kind of works, you know, the mm-hmm. the um, the underworld, if you will, of it. I got to say, I really did enjoy this film. I, I, I didn't expect too much going into this, so maybe this was a little bit of a pleasant surprise. Uh, and I really only add that young adult tag to this because I think it kind of manages expectations for what this film is going after. And it's, it's good, but I... I don't think it's going to be the best thing ever. If you like crime, uh, like I like crime, I would say give this one a shot. We're going to go ahead and give Sharper a 70 on the dot. Okay. Very curious. Very curious about this one. <laughs> yeah, a better reaction to Vanilla Sky at 63. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like the concept. Again, I like con artist movies. I like quick moving. I like I, that genre I'm always about. Yeah. Always yep, about. Yeah. Um, it could be really fun. You made him a note about the music as well. Yeah. Is it good? Is it upbeat? And fun? Like, is this uh, movie fun in any sort of way? Oh, absolutely. It's okay, very right. cool. Operates on the rule of cool. Okay. Here. Okay. Uh, Clint Mansell. Praise equally to score and soundtrack. Soundtrack won me over because he threw a disaster piece song, and uh, so I was like, "Oh man!" Gonna get- <laughs> <laughs> All right, seventy uh, percent on Sharper. Don't don't sleep on it, folks. Don't sleep on. You know, what I mean that Apple subscription. Oh, I hate seeing that Apple thing. Like, I know, when it's like Apple Productions or whatever on the poster. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. Oh yeah, for real. Oh well, cool. But, All right, don't sleep on it though. Yeah, maybe if you you buy a PS5 and you get it for a fuck uh, a couple months or something like that. You know that. Right. that that's right. when you can check this out. So Awesome. Okay, so moving on. This is our another new release. This is our in-theater release here. This is a Cocaine Bear. <laughs> <laughs> um, wanted to see it with you. Was not able to because I was out right. of town this weekend. Yep, yep. So definitely bumped out. We couldn't go together. Yep. I think I, you even shouted this out on the podcast. I did I, during the Tom <laughs> Daly episode. This was one of the ones I was most excited for for 2023. <laughs> uh, it's a snappy hour and 35 minutes. Yep. I think it's it says, uh, you know, inspired by true events. I don't know if you look into it or not oh yeah okay yeah yeah, me too uh the once uh viral story of uh, a bear eating a a failed drug drop and and in reality i mean the bear died and like (laughs) he ate like four grams of cocaine and the the bear died so i had read that it was a duffel bag full of cocaine yeah and then the bear was found dead close to it. I don't even know if they know that he <laughs> ate, it, ate or it or not. not. Yeah, right. he could have choked on a strap or something. So, but it is very loosely inspired by true events. It's directed by Elizabeth Banks, which is bonkers. There's like big actors in it, which is bonkers. <laughs> and it's not a direct streaming movie. This is an in theaters. Go yeah, right. see it now. This yeah. is Cocaine Bear, Vin. How did we like Cocaine Bear? <laughs> How did we like Cocaine Bear? I thought Cocaine Bear was 
good for a one-time watch. I think that's that's my takeaway here. Uh, it's just one of those stoner movies or stoner ideas that actually make it to be a movie. You know, what I mean, yes. would it be cool if we make a you know with Elizabeth, with Elizabeth Banks of all people? <laughs> right. just, just, I don't understand any. She of She was pitching this too. Like this is her. This is her vehicle. <laughs> So, like I said, it, kind of semi-based on the once viral story of uh, the bear eating the cocaine. And honestly, my entire time watching this was, why was Tom into this? Why was Tom? Really, one reason. Do you remember my one reason? It was Ray Liotta. That's it. Yeah, I just want to see Ray Liotta on screen, on the big yeah, screen yeah. one more time. Uh, that's where it stopped that's it though no nothing more yeah that's it uh and uh also a loyal listener of the show tyrone also sent me an article announcing the asylum is now making meth gator (laughs) in their infamous spinoffs so subgenre yeah what would it be animal drug movies drug yeah drug animal monster movies (laughs) cocaine bear is a dark comedy that is also trying to be a slasher flick there's a lot of emphasis on small bit characters that don't last a long time on screen uh, and a lot of emphasis on a killer bear that does cocaine (laughs) what can i say about this uh the movie is about cocaine bear the mama bear that ate a duffel bag of cocaine and bags plural Uh, (laughs) and the handful of characters that are misfortunate enough to come across cocaine bear (laughs) that's basically it um there are over a dozen characters in this and seeming like a pretty packed cast but uh i think it's important to know that it is a slasher because the goal of any slasher is to use those characters in a different way we're not getting you know like really anything you know expanded upon even like another horror movie Uh, let's say we go to like to a megan or something like that most recently yeah uh there's a different way characters or even the these roles are being used you know in a slasher it's they are fodder so i was i heard a comparison or if it was going to be like this or not uh which is snakes on a plane oh it's been It's been a minute since well, I've seen Snakes okay. on a Plane. <laughs> <laughs> but just that idea. Uh, sure, you have sure. this ridiculous thing happening yeah, and you have yeah. characters that are totally disposable. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah. And uh, animal-themed, absolutely. I think right, that's yeah. pretty close. So, uh, Tom, let's talk about some of the standout actors uh, while they're on the screen. Uh, Jesse Tyler Ferguson For, from yeah. Modern Family. Um, he gets some really funny moments in this. I almost didn't recognize him. He has such a different look. He's playing like this... This game preserve uh, forester with a <laughs> with a beard and and a, you know southern accent, but he was really good in this. Did he, uh, he looked good. He was yeah, good. yeah. Uh, I was I was surprised, and and again, I I marked down the character as far as like notes for standouts. And then I looked online. I was like, "Oh, it's him! It's the Modern Family guy." So, oh, you weren't even sure when you were looking no, at him on no, screen. Yeah. Oh, I like that transformation. So, then, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, surprisingly enough, the two kid actors were Ooh. pretty great. Okay, uh, believe it or not, you know, uh, the two kid actors are Christian Convery. I think Convery, yeah, Convery, uh, and Brooklyn Prince. You know, I think they could have used some directions on how to act zooted, but as far as adding a two, you know, two kids into this element of cocaine bear, I, I thought it was very cute, very fun, and, yeah. and very funny. Wow. Um, okay. All right. And of course, the last on-screen appearance of Ray Liotta, though very brief. Uh, he isn't in it too much. I was trying to research to see if there was anything cut, actually. 
due to his death. And maybe they had a bigger role that they had to kind of dial back with it. I will say, if you are a big fan of Ray, and I'm looking at the, the, the guy across from me, <laughs> this isn't exactly a triumphant goodbye. To him. <laughs> uh, you know, Ray is, uh, again, no better than any of the actors here uh, as far as how it's used. He's not uh, given a very good canvas. <laughs> right. To work his artistry on, let's <laughs> right, be right. honest. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, cool. Uh, the film is uh, ends with a dedication to Ray Liotta. Obviously, rest in peace. But, you know, I mean, uh, I think it's also important to note that if there is buzz around this film, like it was with you, Tom, I don't know if, yeah. you know, Ray's going <laughs> to... <laughs> I don't know if you're walking out and being like, oh, man, what a great actor. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever said that about Ray Liotta. Right, right. <laughs> That's more of a love thing. For real. Yeah. But our main character is Cocaine Bear, so let's talk about Cocaine Bear. Yes. <laughs> there is a, a decent score and soundtrack, believe it or not. I was really surprised. They gave Cocaine Bear like a... A brassy sting every time he intros himself or herself. It's a mama bear. And anytime a kill comes. Uh, and I, I don't know why I liked it so much. It was like they made Cocaine Bear like a Godzilla film. Like there's this, he has a theme or uh, she has a theme. Uh, more than that. Uh, more than down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it was, it was, it was pretty interesting that, um, you know, how they, how they kind of, you know, added that in. And uh, I, I thought it was cool. Uh, I thought it was a cool addition. I'm going to give the CGI a pass. Obviously, this is not a real bear. Not once is it a real bear. Uh, not that I would really even need that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not looking for immersion there like that. It's not amazing, and at first I was going to actually praise some of that they hide the bear. You know, they, they hide the bear from, from being seen, but um, that is thrown right out the door, uh, which is prioritized for equal parts bloody kills and the bear doing cocaine and more and more cocaine. <laughs> so there's, there's kind of no upper limit. You know, as far as the urban legend goes, one duffel bag is probably like upgraded to three dozen duffel bags in this film. So that that's where it's, it's switching it up. And for what it's worth, uh, I, I would say cocaine bear is funnier than any human actor. in this. So it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it is about cocaine bear. So I think, uh, it, it's, 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 it pays off in a good way that if you really, I mean, almost to the point of Asylum shamelessly making meth gator, it, you really do understand that it's about the combination of yeah. drugs and the animal. <laughs> <laughs> so one nitpick is, uh, nighttime scenes look terrible in this. What were they doing? Uh, it's just like so blue and like clearly not shot at nighttime. There's a time, there's a point that they're under a waterfall and they have to shoot at night. It's not shot at night, right. probably for safety reasons, but. So it's just that filter. Oh, that they put it on. looks, if you, if you put a blue hue on Windows Movie Maker, it might look better. Oh, really? Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. that bad. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. not even a good filter. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not great. It's not great. Uh, overall, I'm somewhere in between meh and having an all right time with it. I think it operates a lot on shock value, shock value for the comedy, for the drugs, shock value for the slasher kills, and most of all, shock value for a bear on cocaine. Uh, <laughs> I can't help but feel this one is a once-and-done film. 
Uh, and not that I really give a lot of points for originality or rewatchability, I should say. Uh, but um, that comedy will only hit as hard as the first time you snort it up. We're gonna go ahead and give <laughs> Cocaine Bear a fifty-two. It's a quick, a quick, and very quick review. Oh, we're running long, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cocaine Bear isn't getting the same love. Uh, fifty-two. I'm not. I, I really would assume that that's where it's at. Exactly. I'm, I, I was expecting you to say the words or the phrase "boys watch" in there. Oh, honestly. Yeah. Which we just put on the compilation on the site, by the way. Yeah. The compilation page is finally done. If right, you want to check right. that out. Yeah. But meh, maybe it's just not even that good. I, I again I just uh, there's there's good shock value. It will make you laugh. It will make you even gasp sometimes, but I feel like it's once and done. It's really like once you see it, it's like, okay. Uh, I think that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. All right, so. Coke Band fifty two. And honestly, I think I'm in. I will I'm in <laughs> if we have this new 50s creature features, but it's just animals oh, yeah. on drugs. On drugs. <laughs> and that's the thing we have now. I'm fine with that. And that's it's like awesome. The, yeah. yeah. That's how I would look at that. Absolutely. A new type of creature feature. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, this getting a wide release, who knows? That might Which be Which is very weird. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, Elizabeth Bank is going to make a career out of it. I haven't even checked the box office on it. <laughs> Olive's, yeah, why is she directing it? But that's fine. That's <laughs> neither here nor there. Uh, Vin, thank you so much for watching. Oh, do you have anything you want to add? I actually have some notes as far as how many franchises are we covering this year? What do you mean? We're covering Magic Mike, Guardians, Ant-Man, Creed, all trilogies coming to the end. We got five Indiana Jones yeah. movies. We got ten Fast and Furious. And I feel like just this year is the year of franchises. It's a series year. Yeah. Self-made by some of these lists by us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Vin, thank you so much for watching these movies. Thanks for stopping by. Folks at home, we'll run it down one more time here. We have Silk Stockings with the 57%, Vanilla Sky with the 63 21 Grams with an 84 Sharper with the 70 and Cocaine Bear with the 52%. Folks, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, could you give us a good rating or tell a friend about us? If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch, or if you just like to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com, where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you receive from us. We're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.